You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run Walsh. If it's first and 10, Walsh. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Auto Structure Podcast. It's Matt Stagner here with Ryan Cobb Jr. On a non-victory Tuesday, the Chiefs drop 27-19. to in Green Bay, Taylor Swift in attendance did not save this one. Ron, what are your initial thoughts on on the game? Yeah, Trav's got to give her some some brownie points herself for for making it to Lambeau Field and when it's snowing uh, to come watch a football yeah. game. That's a that's a real one. That's a uh, that's a keeper, Trav. I would say, but uh, yeah, eight and four now. Chiefs drop. Uh, that was not the most fun uh, Sunday night game. I was excited for that one. I thought we were going to get a big game from Travis. I thought we were going to get you know, a, a, a suffocating game from the defense. You know, Jordan Love hadn't seen a, a defense, uh, you know, an elite defense yet, kind of like that, at least these last four games when they've been going off. But, man, you got to give Green Bay credit, man. Their their offense came out firing. Um, you know, obviously they were they were aided by, you know, linebacker Drew Tranquil going out early uh, with the concussion. Hope he's doing well. But, but man, yeah, that was really the theme of the game is once that happened, Sags, I mean – the, that offense just kept rolling, kept uh, grinding, uh, kept marching up and down the field. Chiefs defense got stops at the end, but but yeah, I mean it, it, it was just it was just uh, I was not expecting the Packers to be able to to move up and down the field on the Chiefs like that. Yeah, I think that's one of the key takeaways is that this wasn't one of those games. Well, it was one of those games where you can say the Chiefs had a chance to win and blew it uh, because they frankly did. But it wasn't one of those games where you can say the Chiefs dominated their opponent the whole game and then blew it. This is one where Packers, frankly, played a better game overall. They ran the ball well. Uh, they were they were executing, you know, on offense. Uh, Love played well. I mean, he. I was just saying some of those passes felt like they were prayers, like he was just kind of chunking them up in the air. But they they came down where they needed to come down, and and it was uh, uh, there was a handful of those passes that there was just no no way the defenders could get to them. Yeah, you got to give, again, the Packers offensive scheme credit. I mean, they really did just put a lot of Chiefs off-ball defenders, guys in the back seven, in blenders, in in the spin cycle with the way they were doing a lot of pre-snap motion, jet sweeps, you know, pairing that with with off-tackle runs the other way and even having bootlegs going off of that. So you're really just having guys, you know, having to look all sorts of ways, trying to think about all different things. On the first drive, it was apparent, you know, Leo Chennault, uh, you know, kind of got you know, caught up and, 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 and it caused two completions, two first down completions. He was just, you know, kind of lost, you know, trying to, you know, find space and coverage. The Packers really did a good job of just keep making the chiefs play from their three linebacker set. 
and 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 passing out of it and then also having an effective run game man that's the thing i mean the packers ran the ball really well you know didn't get to a lot of third and longs and and that's what the chiefs defense needs stags right like this chiefs defense predicates itself on getting the third and long making life hard on the quarterback once they're there and they just didn't get there a lot and and so you know it, it kind of makes life easier on on the packers when that's the case but you got to give love credit still for for kind of just executing right he 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 just was nails for the most part yeah, he, he was very good. The pressure wasn't not was not getting home. Uh, I, I thought towards the end of the game they had a couple of couple of sacks they were able to close out right, but it was for the most part the pressure wasn't what we're used to seeing. But you're right, some of that is is uh, down in distance and and it is a uh, play calling on the offensive side. And I thought AJ Dillon looked really good. I think he he the tackling was a little bit of an issue when they were playing yeah. against him. Now we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I think the fact that the chiefs had so many injuries on, on the defensive side of the ball, especially this week really made it tough on them. Uh, especially when it came to tackling, especially when it came to that second level of the defense. So that there's, there's a factor there. And we'll talk about some of the other reasons this game was a, was a loss. We got plenty of good questions as yeah. is the case. <laughs> most of the time when, when the chiefs lose, we hear from you all, which we appreciate, uh, but feel free to ask a lot of questions when the chiefs win as well. Cause we're, <laughs> We're fully okay with that as well. I, I, w- I want to go back to this point, though, about uh, the Chiefs getting outplayed. And if you look at the Chiefs' four losses this this season, you could argue maybe that the Lions in, in the opener outplayed them. Chiefs still clearly had a chance to win that game. Uh, they were not dominated by any means, but they, you know, the Chiefs didn't play well and, and, uh, and lost that game. The Broncos clearly outplayed them. Uh, you know, 20, 24 to nine, uh, is, is shocking to even see on paper. Uh, the chiefs and Eagles were pretty evenly matched. I thought, I thought that was a, uh, one of those games that they just kind of, uh, fumbled away at the end, uh, almost literally. And then, uh, you know, the, the Packers again, maybe, maybe outplayed them, um, but they still had a chance to win. So I guess my point here is when you're a championship level team, you're not going to be at your best ever. No team's going to be at their best every every week, right? So there's going to be games when you're just not the best team on the field. I think there was uh, there was a case to be made that the Packers game and the Broncos game were maybe the two games this season uh, where the Chiefs did not play as well as their opponents did. Uh, the other games were kind of ones where they just you know fumbled away or mishandled it. You know, again, the Lions is maybe debatable, but this I is a game games where the Packers played better than you expected them to play. Uh, but the Chiefs still had a chance to win. They still had the ball with six minutes left to go in a five-minute or five-point deficit. Um, this was fully within their grasp to, to pull out, even though they got outplayed. Yeah, no, I think that's been the appeal or the excitement of a lot of times at the hot peaks of this year, right, has been how the defense has been playing so well, putting them you know in situations where – you know, the offense, you know, we feel like, okay, once the games really matter, as long as the offense is there, like the defense will make plays, you know, it it feels really good. But, you know, this kind of game shows you that, you know, when the defense doesn't have its best game, you know, this offense right now, like it's not necessarily showing us that we can trust them to, to make the play at the end to make up for it. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's concerning. I think, you know, I think the one thing you saw with, with the defense uh, this week was that, you know, it was kind of an old school 2018, 2019 kind of defensive performance where, you know, they really got 
they really were forced to limit the Chiefs' offensive possessions. The Chiefs only had two meaningful drives in the first half before that kneel down. And so when you have that, you know, you just feel like you have no margin for error, right? And with the Chiefs' offense, usually it's like, okay, they can work with that. You know, they're they're Patrick Mahomes. They can, you know, they're an elite offense. They can they they don't need necessarily a margin for error to work with. But this year they do. <laughs> this year they obviously do with with the problems at receiver. You know, we saw Donovan Smith get hurt. You know, that's a rookie left tackle in there. We'll talk about Wanye Morris, who I did I did, I did think filled in well, but you know, I do think that's that's just something with this this team this year is that you know, this offense right now is is playing where they they need to kind of be they need to lean on the defense a little bit. And if the defense, you know, gets hurt with with Drew Tranquil out forcing a third string middle linebacker to come in and play in Jack Cochran, who I think filled in admirably, but obviously is going to is going to give up some plays. I highlighted some of his his negative plays and important moments on Twitter. And also, you know, you had Brian Cook go out. You know, that's that's a guy who's been playing a lot of good snaps for you this year, a lot of important snaps for you this year at the free safety position. There was a lot of guys going in and out of the lineup, a lot of guys, uh, you know, staying down in the field afterwards. So, you know, this defense has been playing well all year, Stags, but you can't expect them to be healthy the entire season. And that's where the Chiefs offense does need to pick them up in games where where they do experience, uh, you know, injuries like this. And and the offense wasn't wasn't able to maybe like they have in years past. And and that is that is definitely a, a, a point of concern that I just I feel like the Chiefs, the Chiefs don't have as much margin for error. And I think this game was a perfect example of it. Yeah, margin for error is a good way to put it, because these are going to be closer games this season. It's going to be, you know, a couple of mistakes here and there could lose the game. A couple of big plays, you know, going the right way could win this game. As I was watching this game, I thought. First team to turn the ball over is going to lose this game. Right. Yeah. Because honestly, the, the, the pace of the game, it was long drives. There was, you know, the Chiefs had two drives in the first half. The the Packers had three. This was a a very drawn out, you know, game where the both teams ran the ball well. I mean, if you want to look at the positives again, Isaiah Pacheco was phenomenal, uh, just dragging piles, avoiding injuries somehow when he could just gets mangled and, yeah. and continuing to just be that energy giver, that that spark plug for this offense. They were balanced. They they ran the ball really well. Um, you know, they there weren't a lot of bad drops or anything like that. Uh, but they turned the ball over. And and they turned the ball over largely because there was a couple of really dumb mistakes by the receivers, it looked like when it came it comes to running routes, uh, you know, stopping on a route or running the wrong direction. Uh, that miscommunication or that uh uh, miss route running really hurt the passing game and it just helped them, you know, they had a chance to win. All they had to do was execute a, a little bit better uh, in the passing game and they weren't able to do it. Yeah, no, the Chiefs offense really was just marching up and down the field um, on the first four drives, you know, until the 20 yard line, the first four drives, they were pretty much unstoppable between the twenties, but you know, Stag, you set me up. So we might as well get into it now, the party pooper segment. Um, because again, folks, I, I am bringing this party pooper segment weekly as just a, a, a long-term big picture part of this team that that I feel like is going to end up, you know, costing them at the end um, or could end up costing them. They need to overcome it at the end. And you're right. It's a downfield passing game again. It, it continues to be the downfield passing game. It wasn't just, you know, obviously you know, the DPI at the end, you know, Hey, that was defensive pass interference on MBS at the end, right? Yeah. Like that should have been called. I think we can all agree on that. You had the refs in your losers call and we can talk about that in a second, but here's the thing. The chiefs only completed one pass of 20 or more yards downfield again 
And that wasn't the only opportunity they had to complete a pass 20 or more yards downfield. On the opening drive, there was a play where single high safety, Chiefs attack it with two vertical routes going to one side. So the safety has to pick one or the other. Turns with Watson. MBS goes on a post, has all the room in the world for a touchdown. Mahomes just doesn't sit in the pocket and read it. It's something that I that in the opening script you would imagine he is knows he has to read this out and see, like, okay, like, is this gonna be open or not? It came open, but he just didn't he didn't want to trust MBS. So, in my opinion, that's an example of MB, the, the overtime, the the wear and tear of MVS just not being in the right spot, not catching these passes, just mentally impacting Mahomes, right? It's it's affecting his anticipation, his confidence. And then we get to the second half when the team really does need a score. They've gone off four straight scoring drives. They go three and out here. And on the second down play of that three and out, MVS goes vertical against one high. Mahomes looks, throws, throws for him downfield. But MVS runs is angling straight for the post safety. He's angling straight for the safety in the middle of the field instead of bending back out and fading back towards the sideline where Mahomes throws it. And that's why it's an incompletion. And it's the exact same reason Justin Watson had the incompletion on third down against the Eagles two weeks ago. It's the exact same thing. The receivers not adjusting their route to the safety shell, to the one high look, and running away from the safeties. This one was the most, more egregious than Watson's because MBS, if you look at the angle, he is running straight at the post safety. If, if, if Mahomes would have thrown it where MBS was angling, MBS might be in the hospital because it was just that it was it was it was that much like he was direct line to the safety. And so that was, you know, another big part of this game obviously ends up in a punt on that drive. And then we saw the interception with Sky. To me, and and, and Stags, I, I, you know, I, I know you you uh, want to talk about this play. and we'll, we'll get into this. To me, that play, that the interception, it feels like to me Mahomes shouldn't have thrown it. Um, it felt like the corner or the, 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 the man coverage defender on Sky got over quick enough to take it away into where that either needs to be a, a a super back shoulder low throw or it needs to not be thrown. I but either way, Sky just to me does not run through the route. And and I know Mitch Schwartz talked about that on on Twitter, but all this all encompassing, all of the things I've just said is just it's just another example of these receivers 13 weeks into the season still not being in rhythm in the offense, on the same page in the offense. And I just it's hard. It, it, I just would. I feel stupid telling anybody that it's going to get fixed at this point. So that's that's that. Stags. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I had a Packers fan uh, here recently tell me that that's just the MVS experience, and, and that's, <laughs> what, that's what you get. It's a roller coaster at at best. Um, but it, it is frustrating to see, and it is. There's not a lot of hope that MVS is going to get better. He's a low percentage player. Um, he, he's it's a risky proposition to target him deep. And it's just mind blowing to me of all the other things that went wrong in this game, that route that you talked about, the, the interception that you, that we talked about the um, just the whole flow of this game. It all came down to this late fourth quarter drive Mahomes with the ball. And what does he do? Well, first tries to throw it short to Pacheco, right? But, for with a minute nine left, that's not going to help you much, right? Um, then he runs one, and then he starts throwing deep to MVS. 
So you've got the the first and ten, the 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 deep pass um, to MVS that was obviously incomplete. Another deep pass on on the next first down. Uh, so a short pass to MVS, another deep pass to MVS, and then on third down with eight seconds left in the game, he throws it short to MVS. Yeah, and out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> Why is MVS the entire final drive at this point? Exactly. And on some of those plays where she rice was on the sidelines. Yeah, I, I think I think it tells you that it's important for a veteran like a veteran's I guess experience is important in those situations, right? Like that's probably what Coach Andy Reid would tell you if that he was asked that direct question, right? Is like, well, you know, hey, the rookie doesn't have as much experience in those situations as the vet, but that's the problem is that these situations are going to keep happening because it's football and the playoffs are coming and these are important games and you can't have guys that clearly just just MBS right now is just not playing anything close to good football um, for what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, you just it, there's just no excuse to have him on the field. And so I don't care if, if the rookie doesn't have as much experience in those situations. <laughs> Get him in there. And yeah, I, I thought it was amazing too that MVS continued to be that that target on the last drive. But why isn't that Justin Watson? Why can't that be, you know, why isn't Richie James getting some Richie some Rice. more downfield looks? Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, I I yeah, I mean I know I, Pacheco got ejected there, and, and so that was uh yeah. you know, he wasn't in. Pacheco's not gonna help you that much on a at that point and, in the game anyway. Yeah, that 15 yard penalty did hurt them a little bit there. Yeah, it yeah, it's it's inexplicable. There, there's no real excuse for it. As we talk about winners and losers, I put obviously Skymore and MBS in the losers column as as per the usual uh, this season. Uh, but also, you know, I, I put Patrick Mahomes there, and and I think this is a, a maybe a controversial thing when Mahomes didn't play badly in this game, right? Like he had some some great passes. He had a couple good scrambles. You know, he was he played tough gave them a, a chance to get to the point where they could win this game. But when you're the MVP of the league, you're going to get your fair share and, and more than your fair share of the credit when they win and the blame when they lose. And the fact is that Mahomes had the ball down six, down five, six minutes left. And the result was an interception that put them down eight. And at, the, and at that point, you know, they, they still had a chance to come back and tie the game. And target MVS four or five times, and and the game's over. So some of this is on Mahomes too, and and it's decisions, it is execution, and it's again fair or unfair. You expect your MVP to come back and win games like that. Yeah, no, I I definitely believe that Mahomes is being impacted, maybe confidence wise, by you know the stuff going on around him that we just talked about, but that's not a good enough excuse for who's supposed to be the best quarterback in the NFL. I, I just, just straight up. I, I, I think, and he would tell you that. I don't think he would, he would, he would absolutely tell you that he needs to play be- better. And, you know, even if you had truth serum, even if he told you that these receivers could be better, he still wouldn't say that it's, and that's you know, that he should be, or that it's making him play. He should be able to overcome it. He should be able to overcome it. And the thing on that play stags, the interception I know I kind of already mentioned that I believe it, it was more Mahomes' fault, but you also can point to why is Sky more the one in that position in that moment, right? Like, why is he the one running what a lot of times ends up as a back shoulder fade, uh, you know, a quick hitting back shoulder fade, but a lot of time that route they run, it's a switch release. 
Uh, they try to, you know, they 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 try to make the outside receiver get in the way of the the inside receiver's man defender, so he has room to work to the outside. And so you have to hit that kind of back shoulder to the sideline more so than just up the field. I get that's that you're trying to get Sky, I guess, the ball moving forward. But to me, a lot of that, a lot of the times, you want to be that route should be going to a guy that's that's kind of high pointing a pass, something that we've seen Rice do recently, um, pretty well. It's just it's it, that's where you know you can. I, I do think Mahomes deserves blame, but like the play calling too is just like, why is Sky the one in that situation? Sky is not, it's 13 weeks through. Like we're not, like we, we know what he is and that's not what he is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't like that, but. Yeah, we'll get to some of those decisions as well with your, with your questions. Uh, I, I do want to come back and, and point out a couple of, of, of minor positives from this game. Absolutely. I thought the fact that Donovan Smith got injured uh, and and Wandy Morris, uh, the rookie, steps in at left tackle, and frankly, they were better in the run game at that point. Uh, Wandy was a was looked like a just an absolute, you know, menace in the run game. Uh, yeah, and and at least adequate in the passing game. Didn't seem like they lost a whole lot. Yeah, no. At, at the one of his first plays in the game was that twenty six yard run Pacheco had um, to get them inside the red zone on the opening drive. It was my favorite play. Counter left, puts tre- uh, puts Trey Smith on a polling block to kick out the edge defender. But the most important block, a lot of uh, it's the probably the second most important block besides Trey's, is that left tackle really creating space by down blocking and creating movement uh, downhill on the on the defensive tackle inside him. And that's what Wanye did. He really opened up the hole, pried it open for um, uh, Pacheco to hit. And so yeah, I, I think. Wanye as a run blocker probably is maybe a little better than Donovan just because he's maybe a little younger and, and Donovan's not the, you know, biggest guy or like most, uh, you know, uh, he's definitely more finesse than he is powerful. Right. Wanye definitely seems to be kind of more of just like a horse, like a power, power guy right now. Like he'll, he'll put his hands on you and move you, but he may struggle in some of the finesse stuff. You know, he did give up that sack, but I, you mentioned it in your article. I really feel like that was more on Jawan Taylor on the other side getting so pushed up field into Mahomes's footwork and lap that Mahomes kind of had to backtrack a few yards. And by that time, Wanye, uh, you know, the guy was outside and, and rushed around and, and that's not on Wanye. So glad you pointed that out because I think some people would just tell you, Oh no, rookie left tackle gave up a sack and, and just say that. Yeah. This was the time of year, you know, when, yeah, they're getting ready for a playoff run, but you're also getting to that point where, Coaches will tell you and NFL players will tell you that rookies aren't rookies anymore, right? Like this is this is when development starts to really show up for the rookie class. And I pointed that out this week in the market movers piece that I write uh, pregame that, I, that it feels like they're starting to see some development from from some of these guys. Um, and th- that he was one of them. And he was one that, you know, it's been a small sample size, but when he's been in the game, it's been really good. Uh, and and I think there's just little little takeaways there. Now, Felix Anaduke Uzama is still, you know, kind of up and down in a very minor role. Uh, I still think there's a lot of room left for him to develop. Uh, some have pointed out that he was one of the players that kind of gets sucked inside on, on big runs uh, on, on occasion so far this season. But – it just feels like some of these younger players are trending in the right direction long-term. And you, even if you're only seeing little glimpses of it, uh, like you do with Wendy Morris. Hey, I mean, I'm, I'm the one 
who said it from the get-go that I believe this class is going to be one that the impact you do not feel the true impact of it until year three. Uh, you know, unfortunately, even year four for some of these guys. That's just how that just I feel like how this class is going to go. Rice is obviously the exception, which the team needs, so that's good. Um, and and yeah. I honestly do. He 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 may still have you know some room to grow and 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 obviously in his route tree and everything. But yeah, I think for the most part, this is a. It, but it, you're right. It's good to see Wanya get some live snaps and look and look comfortable. So it, it's it's a good yeah. start for him. And I thought Rice you know, did a nice job following up what what many would call his breakout performance last week. Uh, still had a pretty substantial contribution this week. I mean, I think this is looking like he's not a fluke. He's a he's the Chiefs' number one wide receiver, and I'll keep saying that over and over again. Now, I'd, I'd sure like to see them use him in key moments a little bit more, uh, yeah. <laughs> as we just discussed. But but he's a uh, he's he's doing everything he can uh, to be that guy that's not only impactful for a rookie but impactful. Period. All right, well, I'm not sure we're going to solve all the Chiefs' issues before we take a break and hear from our sponsors. So we have still have a lot of your questions to get through, and everybody's favorite game is what NFL player am I this week? We're looking for somebody who played for the Chiefs and the Bills. So I'll let Ron set that up, and then we'll get to break, and then we'll come back with more of your questions on the Out of Structure podcast. All right, Stags, I'm, I'm coming for you this time. So we're talking about a player. I am an NFL player that played for the Chiefs and the Bills. I was drafted pretty high by Buffalo in the 2010s. I was an exciting playmaker for him uh, for a few years and bounced around to a few teams and ended up on the Chiefs towards the end of my career. Who could I be, Stags? Who could I be? That's what I'll give you. Well, I'll take a stab at that question and more of your questions after this. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us with the on the Auto Structure podcast. We've got a tough question here from Ron on an NFL player that played for both the Chiefs and the Bills. Can you quickly give me the the clues again? Uh, I've got a couple of options here on who it could 
I'm an NFL player that was drafted highly by Buffalo in the 2010s. I was an exciting playmaker for them for a few years, but bounced around to a few teams afterwards before getting to the Chiefs. Who am I? All right, so this could be one of two players. I, the first person I thought of was LaShawn McCoy, and then I realized he was drafted by Philly. He played with Buffalo later. Uh, so it's either Sammy Watkins or C.J. Spiller, and I think both fit that description. So I'm going to go with C.J. Spiller, but, I, but Sammy Watkins fits as well. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking CJ Spiller. And the reason I think I was uh, I, I was very, very uh, careful with my wording. I said a few teams before instead of like a couple teams or two teams, because uh, Sammy only went to two teams before the Chiefs. CJ had like three or four teams he played on before. And, and, and I think bounced around is, is appropriate for his Chiefs yeah. career as well. As, as <laughs> right. And sign and cut and sign and cut and sign. All right. Yeah. All right. Good investigation there. I, I, I thought I'd just say, oh, Sammy. And you would you wouldn't even think about it. So good. Yeah, not, not bad. That, that was a good one. That was a good one. All right. Let's get back to the mailbag here. Let's talk wide receivers because that's all anybody really wants to talk about when it comes down to it. Your guy, George Young. G.Y. Como. Yes. Three questions here. Um, first of all, same mistakes as the first quarter of the season whose fault is it number two mvs is he just done as a deep threat and number three sky Moore, should you just release him there's a lot of similar questions here thomas ramirez who had the worst game sky Moore or mvs um, sean asked when does andy reed make the call and bench mvs uh, sound the dream alarm when are the wide receivers going to learn to get open? And my, my personal favorite, why do we have four or five foot nothing guys who can't go get the ball? Uh, and then just a Chiefs fan, MVS is a liability. When do the Chiefs bench him and try Tony or Rice with more of the deep shots? So all of these kind of have the same theme. Is it time, number one, to be done with MVS? Hey, I, anyone who listens to this podcast, any readers of the AP premiere know I've been touting that since the bye week. The one thing I kind of came away from in the bye week was less MVS, more Justin Watson. And that doesn't mean 11 targets to Justin Watson, as, as we saw against Philly. That just means Watson should be running the vast majority of the deep threat snaps or the deep ball snaps. And that should mean MVS is not playing 50%, 60% of snaps. He's playing more like 30% of the snaps or, you know, just in a much more limited role. And they're just, his snaps are going down, but still not to the point where he's he's completely out of the rotation where he's getting, quote unquote, benched. But his snaps are going down. You know, Rice has been the team snap leader receiver the past two weeks. Uh, and and MBS has kind of gotten closer to like 40 percent of the snaps instead of 60 percent like he was typically. I do want to shout out George Young, though. That's my guy. Uh, radio host brought me on and uh, over in Columbia, Missouri all last year. Hope he's doing well. Um, he, he asked about, you know, having the same mistakes as last night as the first quarter of the season. It, it's all it's 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 the same. It's the receivers and, and, and all these questions talk about it, but it's the usage of the receivers. It's putting the receivers in the, in the right positions. And, you know, that's why, you know, to just Chiefs fans question, it, it, it would be nice to see them try, you know, Tony on, uh, on routes further than just screen passes and slants or Rice. Obviously, they're getting him more and more, uh, you know, his route tree is expanding more and more, I think, as we're going here. Um, but he needs to be, 
you know, on some go balls, uh, you know, like we saw against the Raiders. So did I see that Rasheed Rice's um, targets in Sunday night's game average one yard past yeah. the line of scrimmage? Average at the target yeah. was one yard. That's that's not good. I mean, that's not right. Um, yeah, you know, I would argue that is we've been talking along for a while about how to focus on this wide receiver group. And I feel like you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, to, to kind of get to Thomas Ramirez's question, Sky Moore or MVS, who was worse? I, I think MVS is worse uh, yeah. at this point. Uh, I, I think he's consistently inconsistent. He's, he's a low percentage player and somebody that they just need to kind of stop targeting, especially on those uh, key drives and key moments. Sky Moore is a limited player and they need to put him in a limited role and, and uh, and focus their their targets elsewhere, uh, but you know I would I would pretty much just bench MBS at this point. I, yes. I, I don't usually call for somebody else's benching, but I I I think generally at this point I wouldn't be upset to see him have a game or two inactive. And, yeah, and just completely focus on the rest of the room and and see uh, who can step forward and who can do a better job in some of those other roles. Because I think the the point is right. I mean, hit Rice down the field when the, when there's a, a situation where you need somebody to go up and get it. Tony can go up and get it as well. We saw that a little bit last year. Uh, maybe if he's healthy and he's going to be a bigger part of the offense coming down the stretch, you know, try him in some of those spots. You know, they, they've got to get the ball down the field better. It's not going to happen with MVS, even though that's his one and only job. So they, they've got to find other combinations to make that happen. Yeah, no, I, I think you're I agree with you that Sky Moore MVS, you know, between the two, like MVS is is having a a a bigger bigger negative impact on the game um because they're both MBS's limited role is naturally limited as a deep threat, right? There's only so much you can do. There's gonna be not, you know, a ton of opportunities every time, but he is being incredibly inefficient in his limited opportunities. The thing with Sky is we all just want him to be you know, a second round receiver, someone that, you know, kind of can be the offense can run through a little bit, can make a ton of plays like we're seeing with Rasheed Rice. Unfortunately, he's not that, but at least with Sky, he's a strong blocker. Uh, so when you put him in the slot, he is, he is blocking really well. He had another great block um, uh, that, that popped the run in the Green Bay game. Um, he, he is someone that, that, you know, has reliable hands. Uh, you know, he has big hands. He, he catches, he catches passes once they're there to him. Um, what he does after the pass or once he does what he how he gets to the route, you know, I, I don't want to get into that. But it's all that to say is like you can keep Sky in the offense in a limited capacity. He's not making as much of it a net negative impact. But MVS, the limited impact he can make, he's not making. So it's like he's making no impact. And that's what's really making it an even worse impact. Yeah, just it just gives Sky slants and screen passes only and, and let him block otherwise. You know, so, so, yeah. something like that. Make it make it that basic, that limited. You know, really, really, really simple stuff, uh, and and let him eat up some snaps as a blocker, like MVS does today, and then and then focus with Rasheed Rice and and Kadarius Tony down the field, assuming Kadarius Tony's on the field. Uh, th- those can those can be your guys. You know, I, Richie James I think shows a little bit when it comes to. I think he had a he had one catch this week for 12 yards. But yeah. he broke the tackles. He, he's making yeah. something happen. If you need somebody else on that that short intermediate stuff or those little outbreaking routes, he might be somebody that that can help a little bit there. 
you know, I, I still don't know exactly the right combination. Uh, but again, I don't want to throw the whole wide receiver group out at this point. Uh, I do want to throw MBS out and then and then move on from there. Yeah, and that, and and that's the thing too. MBS is someone that is like we've seen his whole career, and it just seems like he is he is declining as a player. Like he, I know he's he was inconsistent in Green Bay, but he earned this contract for a reason. <laughs> it's not like he's hitting free agency this next point and earning any sort of deal. He may not even be on an NFL roster the next time he's a free agent, um, just because of how ineffective he's been. So I think Sky definitely, you know, it, it's it's. I, I agree with you that like Sky just needs to be in a limited role, but MVS, yeah, it, it'd be better if he's just out of the rotation. All right, I've had enough talk about wide receivers for one day. Let's talk about something uplifting, like how the defense struggled and uh, all the different players that got injured on defense. Uh, Thomas Ramirez, which is worse, the injuries or knowing that the game slipped away, even with all the things that happened in that game. Uh, just like Omega Cobb pointed out, the defense didn't play great with a lot of injuries. Um, and, and there's a cause and effect there, obviously. But are you concerned, or, or you know, are you concerned about the defense after this game? And and is the are the injuries on defense the worst outcome of this game? Even worse than them losing a game they could have won. Right. Yeah. No. I I I do think it's more just the injuries to be concerned about from this game. Not so more, not much like the actual play of the defense. Um, I, I did was a little concerned that, you know, a, the run defense would, would show some, some weaknesses down the stretch, right. Uh, since Bolton's out, I've, I've talked about that since before the Dolphins game, before the Eagles game. And for the most part, they, they did a really good job of, of plugging that hole with Drew Tranquil. Um, he has played well. You kind of saw some of the weaknesses in the Raiders game. And then, this was just a really bad matchup to have to be down to your third string middle linebacker. It really was. I mean, th- they were such a strong run team. AJ Dillon's such a hard player to tackle one V one. You really need to, to bring everybody there to the, and he, and he's going to always finish forward. Not to mention, I just feel like, you know, the defensive line didn't play its gr- greatest, uh, you know, up front, but you know, a many who went down hurt, you know, at one point he, he came back in the game. Um, yeah, I, overall, I think the injuries were really the main thing. It just kind of made the game plan easier for the Packers. And then so since the run game was working so well, the pass game was was working off of that. So I really think the injuries just kind of set up the Packers to to be able to execute their game plan. So at Jake Wilson's next question, I'm, I'm skipping ahead here, but do you think a healthy or available Nick Bolton would have been the difference in this game? It could have been. It could have been. I don't want to say it would have been, um, but it definitely could have been because the Packers were still ex- were still taking advantage of the Chiefs linebackers in play action passes, kind of throwing over the middle. Which you know, Bolton he has, does have an interception this year in in uh, doing that. You know, right, dropping back into coverage and and making a play. But you know, it's still not his strength. It's still something. Excuse me, that Tranquil is better at, and uh, and 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 maybe would have you know, would have helped if he would have been healthy the whole game. But at the same time, you know, I do think that we would have gotten to more third and longs. The Packers would have played from behind the sticks more often if Bolton was in the game, just because he'll, he's due for, or, you know, on first and 10, he's going to fly in and, and get a stop every once in a while. And the Chiefs were were not getting any sort of first down stops for the most part. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, Jake Wilson also asked, true or false, the NFL pendulum is swinging back towards defense and inside rushing as the foundations of dominance. I like the way he worded that. You know, 
I th- it seems like there's a little bit of a swing back towards at least defense this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if inside running is necessarily uh, totally back in vogue in, in the entire NFL uh, this season, but it, it sure the sure seems to work well for the Chiefs when they actually do it. Well, I, it, it's it's not that it's that's what's becoming the uh, you know like the the thing that everyone's doing. It's more so that just like at any point in the NFL. When everyone's doing one thing as an elite team to get good, like as an elite team, you have to find that kind of zag, right? To the everyone's zig that kind of makes you better than the rest of the elite tier. And, you know, I think you're seeing right now that with all the passing going on, with all with ever all the defenses worried about, you know, hey, we want to get lighter uh in our our back end, you know, so we can be multiple, you know, so we can play a bunch of defensive backs, you know, we're not gonna play as many linebackers. Um, you know, we're gonna we're going to obviously throw the heck out of the ball, you know, not worry about running as much. You know, you're seeing that the Chiefs are kind of built to have, you know, a, a defense that can counteract some of that, uh, some of the passing. And that's the thing, like with the defense, with NFL defenses kind of being lighter, uh, you know, m- more attention to pass defense, like it does make them softer up the middle, um, you know, against the run. And especially, which I think the Chiefs have been doing a good job of this li- lately is if the Chiefs run from pass personnel instead of the two, three tight end sets, the Chiefs are actually running from like 11 personnel where it's just three receivers in the tight end, spread the formation out. All of a sudden you have more room to work with inside. And so I think I think there's some truth to the fact that to win right now, while everyone else is so focused on being good in the pass game and and, and kind of, you know, just, just having the, the effective weapons uh, on offense, to zag, you do need to be stout on defense and and maybe be able to you know run against all these defenses that are focused on passing but i still think it's more of a it's like the patriots when they were still you know running uh you know uh like traditional traditional 80s you know football power run football you know i formation football you know in 2014 when they won the super bowl it's it's kind of like that like it's not like everyone was doing that but it is something that a team like the chiefs can do to kind of zag from the rest of the, the group and, and make it make be the difference in winning the Super Bowl this year. And I, and I think they should, given the fact that they're having a little bit of trouble getting the ball down the field, that they're having some trouble with yeah. their receivers. This is the best time in recent history for them to focus on establishing that running game, the power running game, you know, getting Pacheco going downhill, making that be the focus of the offense and then mixing in the pass, you know, as, as a, uh, as more of a changeup, I mean, I think that's a that's an opportunity for them to be more balanced, to be more consistent, and to to you know not be stuck with Mahomes dropping back fifty times a game, waiting for somebody to be open and, yeah. and in the right place. Yeah, and and defenses again, they just have more answers to defending explosive passing attacks. Like that's just the truth, and so it's harder for anybody for all the NFL teams to, to be, to, you know, to win in the past game right now. So I think running, you know, just being able to be efficient in the, in the run game definitely helps. So we also had a lot of questions about the coaching staff and I always find it difficult to figure out where do you draw the line? Where do you blame players versus coaches and, and coaching staff and long-term decisions and personnel decisions versus, those guys had a bad week. You know what I mean? It, it To me, it's anytime you're watching a, a game, Chiefs game or otherwise, it's a little bit hard for us as on the outside really to understand all the different reasons for what happens uh, on the field, 
especially I think when it comes to assistant coaches. Uh, so first of all, let, let's talk about Andy Reid. Uh, Scott Castra uh, on Twitter or X as it's known now. At what point are we getting past Andy Reid's? We've got to correct that um, when it comes to shooting themselves in the foot, uh, red, you know, red zone penalties and and play calling and and uh, failures in the red zone. So. How much of this do you put on Andy Reid? Uh, Blitz Blanter also asked, I'm grateful for everything Andy Reid has done, but he's hurting the team this year. They're not scheming players open, even down the field, more than five yards. They have the highest penalty rate in the league. They're not scoring in the red zone. Andy Reid has to be better going forward. So let's start with Andy Reid because everything starts and stops with Big Red. How much of this issue or the issues they've seen this year do you put on, on Reid? He's a head coach. So like you just said, I mean, he, he has to wear some of it. Um, you know, the offense being undisciplined with turnovers, with drops, uh, you know, the offensive lines, penalties. You know, we do see not just Jawan Taylor's false starts. You know, we've seen holding calls that have that have killed drives, not only on just the tackles. Right. I mean, Creed had one this week, um, which I know he was a lot of people were saying it was I mean, he it was kind of a textbook hold to me. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't blame him for calling it. Uh, and so, you know, they've all gotten holds, they've all gotten penalties. And so I think as an offensive minded coach, as the head coach, especially in a year where you're, you do have new leadership on the offensive side, right. You know, after however many years the enemy has been here, you know, no matter what you think of EB, it's just new, right. There is a new staff now on the offensive side, having to communicate with the players and work. And, and Andy Reed should be heading that Andy Reed should be the one you know, kind of in, in, in charge of making sure that's a smooth transition. He's a head coach. Duh. All that to say, yeah, I, I, I think he can, he can wear some of the blame, but like at the, to my, my thing is like players need to execute and he is a player's coach. He puts them in positions to execute. The players need themselves to, to just play more disciplined. You know, you can, you can put that on Andy. Um, and, and I know I have some, we have some other questions too about the other offensive coaches, but uh, I just feel like, as a player's coach, Andy puts a lot of freedom to his players and the players have to back that up by, by backing it up themselves by playing well. So, yeah, I mean, I do put some of it on, on the head coach when it comes to penalties and discipline. Um, I think that we probably haven't seen the A plus Andy Reed game script, uh, you know, in, in a bit there's, there's uh, probably some of that that we'll see coming down the stretch or in big AFC matchups like this week, potentially. But overall, I, to me, the head coach is responsible for the, the, the discipline of the team as a whole, like how are, do, are they a disciplined team? Do they look like a well-coached team uh, to the dude's question here? Chris Collinsworth said the offense looked unprofessional um, to me. That's, that's an Andy Reid issue. If, if, they're, if they're not looking like a put together professional team, that falls on on the head coach, period. That's, that's his job. He has to coordinate it all. He has to make it all work. Um, and he, he's he's responsible for putting a good product on the field, ultimately, given the, the talent that he has in, in, in front of him. Now, individual player development, I think, gets down to the individual position coaches a little bit more. And we see it with, you know, Joe Cullen on the defensive line. We, we've all mm-hmm. been praising him because of how um, – how much some of those defensive linemen have developed under his, his help. So 
as we start talking about, you know, again, the dude's other question here, why does this look like the Bears offense? And why is there someone who's never been a wide receiver, the wide receivers coach? I don't even think it's as much of an issue of whether they ever not they ever played that position or not. But they do have kind of a first timer at wide receiver coach. And, and and maybe, you know, some of the lack of development on the receiver side would be attributable to to that to that receivers coach. I think that that might be part of the issue. I think it's fair to speculate that. Uh, you know, just because we speculate a lot of things and, you know, it's one of those things you can, but I, I really do not think, uh, you know, the receivers inability or, or anything we've seen from the receivers this year, their struggles can be attributed to Connor Embry, the chief wide receiver coach specifically. And I, and I say that just because first of all, the, the, he is a new, he is a new coach because the wide receivers coach last year, he just got a new position on the staff he's he's still around uh joe blameyer um he's just the pass game coordinator and so you still have the same receivers coach as last year which hey you know maybe you can say well the receivers weren't you know super great last year either so you know that's a fair point my thing though is just that he is he he wasn't like a i think he's like an intern or something like he is being brought up like he is being developed as a coach like no one is andy wouldn't tell you that he's supposed to be like a difference making coach right now. And I doubt they put him in a position to be a difference making coach. They have Andy Reid, they have Matt Nagy, they have Joe Blammer, they have Dave Girardi, who's the quarterback coach who's been here forever. They have so many veteran voices in that room that I just I think he is just the wide receivers coach because they're, you know, every coach has a position name and has to be called something and they're mm-hmm. giving him that opportunity, but that doesn't mean that he is the most important voice the receivers here in practice every day you know they spend a lot of time together but you know I, I i imagine they learn a lot more from the rest of the staff than they do from Embry. and so i still think you know someone like matt nagy uh you know dude, the dude asked why the offense looks like the chicago bears offense you know i do think i think i don't know if he's directly pointing at nagy for that but i do think you know someone like someone like nagy uh, you know, if you want to point to coaching and like, you know, not developing guys, like I think it should fall more on the guys that have experience that have proven something. The Joe Colon thing, I, I'm glad you brought that up because we have praised him for his difference making, but he was a defensive coordinator before he had, he has tons of experience and that's why it's easy to say, okay, he came here. The defensive line is playing better. You can see how he is bringing even his own ideas to the defensive game plan um, because they're running more odd fronts. They're running more three, four fronts. That's that makes more sense. I, I just don't I, I can't sit here and, and, and put the receivers lack of development on the receivers coach the, his, in his first year. I, to me, it just seems like more of an offensive catching coaching staff thing as a whole. And to be honest with you, it may just be more of a front office thing, putting these guys into the room, because I honestly some of it just you know, lack of talent stags. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Nick Weiler, is it time to start blaming Matt Nagy for the offensive performance? Uh, Heath Ehlers, when will people stop defending Matt Nagy and realize he's a downgrade from Eric Bieniemy? So I would say that uh, going back on my previous thought, if the head coach is responsible for the whole team product and the team professionalism and the team discipline, and the position coaches are responsible more for player development, the other piece of that is game planning. And the game planning comes largely on the back of the, the coordinator in, in association with the head coach. Um, I think those are the, 
the, the key elements in game planning each week. Um, so I, I think there, there could be, if you've got issues with the game plan, I, th- I think you can, we can talk to Nagy and, and, and read about that. Like, I think those are your, your offensive game, your offensive minds that are putting the game plan together each week. The Eric Bieniemy question, I think, is something different. So let's pause on the Eric Bieniemy question and just let, let me give you a chance to react to that. Do you agree that that Nagy and Andy Reid together should be blamed for schematic and, and game planning type issues? I mean, I there's some things in the red zone I haven't been a huge fan of how they've gone about it. Um, we saw a great red zone play design against the Eagles. Uh, it was actually the play that Mahomes threw the interception on, um, but it was a really creative play design. Uh, you know, it got Justin, it created Justin Watson to get open. In this game, though, particularly, uh, if if you watch the red zone drives that they stalled on in the first half, it just felt like, I, I mean, the first one, uh, you know, it just there wasn't anybody open. It just didn't feel like the routes were really putting away. In a, in a creative enough way. And then the third and goal, it just felt like it was Kelsey get open and then no one else was really in a, in a position to, to try to make a big play. Um, yeah, to me, and, and, you know, I will say he missed rice on a touchdown on the, on the second red zone Mahomes did. Um, so that's, you know, that was a good play call actually, um, on that one. So overall, I think it's, it's pretty nitpicky on my part as someone that watches the all 22 and really tries to find what's going on wrong. Like it is pretty nitpicky on me to find some of those play calling things. I think for the most part, it really is just execution. Um, but I, 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 I just think, I think the red zone still could be, I mean, it could still be a little better, but yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think the chiefs really like Matt Nagy. I think he's somebody who very well could be a future head coach. We've, we've thrown that out there. Other, t- other podcasts and, and professionals have thrown that out there. I think he's somebody who's definitely has a future in this league and is well thought of. Um, but it, his approach to the game is different than what we saw with Eric Bieniemy. And if there is a if there was one piece that might, I, I think there's a valid argument that the Chiefs might be missing maybe the enforcer on the coaching staff, the uh, uh, yeah. the accountability expert, somebody who is who is really there you know, uh, to, to light a fire when a fire needs to be lit um, or to, to hold people accountable when they're, when they're making mistakes. Um, I think Eric Bieniemy was great at that and is great at that. I, as we were recording here, I noticed that there was a, a rumor out that he's being considered for the Bears head coaching job uh, coming oh, wow. up. I mean, I think he's, a, a, you know, he's definitely proven his worth in Washington. I think they're, they're not where they're, they need to be, but they've made progress under his uh, uh, under his guidance. And I think he is somebody that that maybe could have helped in some of the, you know, in some of the execution related issues. Hey, I, I really do think, it, you know, it, it's easy to forget about the human element of football, uh, you know, of, of, of professional football, I should say, of the NFL. But just think about it, man. When you were coached as a, as a player or a kid, like sometimes you just needed someone to really get in you and really get the message across to you verbally, even if that was through louder words or maybe through, you know, uh, uh, you know, some, some choice words, but at the same time, like I just, I, I think someone like Mahomes, a competitive prick as the enemy put the enemy was the one who said that, uh, I think sometimes he could use some of that, uh, you know, fire, uh, from a coach and, I said it over and over on this podcast, um, but I just feel like Nagy might be more of a uh, 
like, oh, good job, Mahomes, like a, a, a cheerleader uh, <laughs> than he is like a, a, you know, keeping holding him accountable. And, yeah. you know, I, I that's me completely speculating. And I, I that's probably unfair of me on Nagy's part. Um, but, hey, you know, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> That's reasonable. You know, the, the other thing we were looking at just before this podcast, and partially because of Blitz Blanter's question about the highest penalty rate in the league, you know, if you look at the actual total penalties that this team has, has been charged with, uh, this year they're right in the middle of the pack uh, for the most part, uh, which is probably surprising because it feels like they've had a lot, and maybe they're just kind of been particularly costly ones this year. Uh, last year, 2022, the Chiefs also, in, in terms of number of penalties uh, charged, right in the middle of the pack. But what's interesting to me is you go back a couple more years, in the heart of the Eric Bieniemy era in Kansas City, uh, the accountability guy, in 2021, they were, um, what, sixth in the league, six most penalties in the league. In 2020, they had the most penalties called against them in the league. That was also true in 2018, where they had the most penalties called against them in the league. In 2019, they were seventh, uh, I think, overall. Uh, yeah, sixth or seventh overall. Anyway, so they were near the top or at the top of the league in most penalties called against them through the bulk of the Patrick Mahomes era. I don't know that this team, all of a sudden, because EB's gone, is somehow taking more penalties because it, it sure doesn't look like it based on the numbers. Yeah. And even if you just think about it, I mean, a lot of the penalties are coming from one player specifically. Uh, and Jerron Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. And Legereus need. Yeah. I, I was, I did not realize that graphic uh, from the chiefs game the other day was he would led all defenders, all NFL defenders and penalties. So yeah, I, it, it is, you can kind of see that. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm glad, or, you know, I, I'm glad we looked at those numbers because I think on the surface, I would have maybe just said, Hey guys, yeah, the enemy not here. You know, the penalties going up. I think that's correlation there. Um, so, but I do think the discipline, the lack of discipline in like the offensive execution um, can be pointed maybe to, to the enemy there. Yeah. I think that's a, that correlation and causation. I always love uh, that, uh, that distinction. Uh, there's a, a, a cartoon or a meme that I, I found recently that says, Every single person who confuses correlation with causation ends up dying. (laughs) (laughs) That's a perfect joke. (laughs) Yes, I love that. I love that. Every every single person ends up dying when that (laughs) happens. All right. Um, That's not a threat. It's just a (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for the the record. All right. Let's talk a little bit bigger picture about the Chiefs' identity and we've got a bunch of questions about this. Um, Brandon English, should we just now accept that this is what the Chiefs are? They'll struggle offensively, and they'll have a defense that's sort of stressed out. Um, and we, we have a couple other questions sort of off of this a little bit. But let's, let's start there. What do you think? Is this what they are? Oh, yeah. I, I really do believe that this is a team that has the offensive – you know, efficiency or the offensive, you know, uh, mindset, I guess, to, to score enough points, um, in a big game. Um, but I really feel like this is a team that has to lean on its defense to help them out. And, you know, I, I just feel like they have a cap on how much they can do, uh, on offense, uh, with the receiver. So, yeah, I would, I would say this is, this is 
we're 13 weeks in. I mean, I, I really think that's that means something. Yeah, I mean, I still think there's room for evolution, and there's some things that maybe we haven't seen. We still haven't seen Kadarius Tony really be part of the offense. Uh, we haven't seen the ceiling for Rasheed Rice yet. I mean, there's there's some yeah. room for improvement there. Uh, again, to me, it's it's all about execution. So if they, you know, if they start executing better, all of a sudden this is a different team. But uh, you know, that really kind of goes to the next question about what's the ceiling of this team this year? KS Chaser uh, chasing bad. NFL officiating calls at KS Chaser one uh, on Twitter. Uh, what is the ceiling of the Chiefs this year? He says, or they say, loss in the divisional round is the ceiling, uh, meaning the best you can expect this team to do. Yeah, is I, to I lose can't. their first or second game, uh, depending on on how the the rankings go. Uh, Kyle Seitz, what's the realistic expectation for this team going into the playoffs? I don't see this team winning a ring, says Kyle Seitz at Aim Down Seitz on Twitter. If you want to get back at Kyle and let him know what you're thinking there, but is that uh, are these guys right? Is this a is this a limited team that we shouldn't expect that much from in the playoff? So you you I don't think it's fair to say that the ceiling of this team is an early playoff loss uh, <laughs> because the ceiling of this team you know, still involves Patrick Mahomes going scorched earth, you know, having one of the best head coaches in NFL history, you know, having one of the best defensive play callers in the NFL right now, having one of the best uh, defensive linemen, one of the best tight ends, all that. I will say though, I do think the ceiling, I, I, and I'm, I, I just want to stand on business. I'm standing my ground. I think the ceiling of this team is losing in the Super Bowl. I don't, I, I can't, I, I can't sit here and say that. I think this team, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I've had too many thoughts about it. I've thought too hard about this, and, I, and I'm not going to lie to the people. That's how I feel. But Kyle asked, what's the realistic expectation for this team going into the playoffs? I think the expectation should always be to win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I know he's saying realistic, and so you know, I, I am expecting them not to win the Super Bowl. But that doesn't mean when they, you know, the, the team should be expected to, and anything short of that is a, is a failure. And that's why, it's, it's, you know, that's why we're you know, so invested or, you know, we're, we're looking at this team so hard and it's because, you know, this team has the expectation to win the Super Bowl every single year. So any little weakness, any little soft spot that, that prevents them from doing that, you know, is something that needs to be talked about. So, but yeah, I, I just, just to say is, yeah, I think anyone should still expect them, especially with the AFC still kind of shaky. I think everyone should still expect them to win the ring. I'm just here to tell you that I don't, you know, I, I, the ceiling is, is capped at, I think, you know, getting all the way to the big game and facing one of the Niners, Eagles, or Cowboys there. So that's kind of where I was about to go is I think with the way the AFC is this year, the floor should still be the AFC championship game. Like that's, I would agree. I would agree the, that. to me, the expectation is AFC championship game, whether it's at Arrowhead again this year or, or not, the, the floor to me, anything short of that. And it, and it's an appalling failure. Uh, of a season. And, and that's, that feels crazy to say after being the Chiefs yeah. my entire life. Uh, but it is what it is. Now the ceiling, the ceiling is still the, winning a Super Bowl. When Pat, when this team with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and arguably the best defense they've had in years, which I think is still yeah. true, even if they struggled a little bit this week, uh, the ceiling of this team is Super Bowl champion period. Uh, K 
can we expect that? Do we, am I going to go out and take out a second mortgage and, and uh, <laughs> you know, put, put money on that? No. I mean, I, I won't be surprised if they don't make the Super Bowl, but I will be disappointed because I still think that that is the, the ceiling and the hope. So, okay. So we're kind of flipped on that. Cause you, cause I guess I'm saying, and, and you're probably right. I mean, you know, we, we shouldn't expect, uh, you know, the Super Bowl maybe, but because, you know, I'm, I'm saying that I'm, you know, a little, you know, not as confident in them right now, but yeah, I, I just feel like, I feel like the expectations, you know, for every, everybody involved, even if they were like the last team to get in wild card, like this team is still the defending Super Bowl champs. And so, yeah. And, and, you know, the team would say that, but obviously the team will say that anytime. Um, so yeah, no, I, yeah, I, especially I, one I, half of the other. I mean, it's, it's really like, it's hard to, to, to parse words and say that the expectation versus the hope versus the, the ceiling yeah. versus the floor, it's all splitting hairs on a team like this. Uh, I do want to get a little bit though, to, to Tim Niker's role, uh, question. This is a really interesting poll statistically. Um, I didn't fact check this, but I, I'm trusting you, Tim. 2023 offense so far, they've had 21 drives in the fourth quarter, either down, tied, or up by one score. In those 21 drives, they've scored one touchdown, two field goals. Of course, had two of those where they were able to kneel and and get the victory. But of the 21 times, they punted 10 times, four times three and out. They had four turnovers on downs and two interceptions. First of all, nice job with the deep dive on stats here, Tim. Yes. That that is shocking. And then it's and that is disappointing. And that is a big part of why this team has four losses and not just one, because they've had a chance to win, as we talked about before, at least three of those games late in the game. Whether they deserve to or not, they had a chance to. And they didn't get it done in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that's that's very clear. So let's let's start there. Observations on the fourth quarter, and then we'll get to the second half of Tim's questions, which I think is another one about hope. I mean, it all comes back to the same thing, guys. It really does. I th- this team in those crucial moments, in those two minute drills, those four minute drills, when they need to win a drive, but the defense knows that they're not just going to run the ball, or they're not just going to be vanilla. They're just you know they're going to be throwing the ball, dropping back. These receivers. And the quarterback are just not consistently playing on the same page enough to get a lot of this done. I mean, I, I feel like that is what it is a lot of the time. And, and we're all we're all seeing it. I mean, you know, the MBS drop against Philly happened in this situation. Uh, you know, there was a I, you know, there I think that Miami play, well, that probably wasn't in the situation. But all that to say, I just think it all really does come down to the pass offense just not being as clean as it has in the past. And I think the only thing we can really point to right now, and and I think we've all kind of embraced it by now, is just that these receivers are not playing well. And it's impacting, you know, Mahomes' confidence. But it's not just his confidence, because I think even in these moments, he's going to be confident no matter what. I think it's 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 really just like, you know, they're not executing, and, and it's it's this the numbers are bearing it out. And so I, I it just yeah. comes down to the receivers. So – his, the second half of the question is, is there any hope for Mahomes' magic to be restored during the playoff run? So, and I think Mahomes' magic kind of gets back to this idea that when they get the ball and a chance to win the game, how do you feel as a fan? Do you feel like, yep, it's time, 
they're going to they're going to do this. Do you feel like you felt as a Royals fan in 2014 and 2015 when HDH uh, came in at the end of the game? You know, when, when Wade Davis entered the game, you knew those Royals games were over. And you could almost shut the TV off because they were going to close it out. In, in the peak Mahomes years, in the clutch playoff runs that they've had in the Super Bowl years, you knew if they had a chance – even 13 seconds worth, Mahomes was going to make something happen. This year, it's felt like there have been a couple of opportunities where none of us actually really thought they were going to get it done. That Again, that drive on Sunday night, I got a text from a friend that, and, and I, with Mahomes with the ball down five, six minutes left, I said, I'd sure like to see a six-minute touchdown drive here. My friend says, it feels inevitable. And I wrote back, no, it doesn't. Because I, I didn't yeah. have that feeling at this point in, in the year. Do you think we can get that feeling back? And no, I, I, I really feel like that's my whole point with this, with me being a party pooper, with me, you know, consistently talking about the downfield throwing, you know, not working out. Hey, in those two four minute drills, you're going to have to make a downfield throw. And this team is just so off the off chemistry or just not getting those done, just not playing well in those in those kind of plays. I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you I'm it's just going to magically turn around. It's if this was if it was week 5 or so, I think it's an, it's okay to be patient. It's okay to continue to work it out and we were, I think. I think a lot of us were patient. We're saying okay, okay, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. That's my whole point, guys, is and I think you're lying to yourself if if you do just like your friend. I I think he's he was lying to himself. Uh, you know, I I think we we're so used to the, the Chiefs being like that, but if if you isolate how the team has played this season, and how they're going, you know, there's no more additions you can make to the team. This is the team that's going to be going into the postseason. You're lying to yourself if 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 you feel confidence in the Mahomes magic at the end of the game. And it's not because of him necessarily. It is a little bit though. And and a little, yeah. yeah. A little I bit. I mean, of course. Like we talked about, you expect him to make plays, you expect him to get the job done. He is the MVP until further notice. And when it's the most valuable player on the field and he has an opportunity to win, you expect him to find a way. So I still think that that could come back. I just think, think about we, just just think not. about it though. The the sky drop in the four, on fourth down against Denver in that game they lost. The MVS drop against the Eagles. That I mean, it, it's just stuff like that. That you know, Mahomes yeah. needs to overcome it, but like you can only overcome it with four downs so much, you know. And then yeah, Justin they, Watson, even the MVS pass interference, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. This yeah. week, I mean, there's. It, we've been this close to Mahomes magic in every loss uh, so far, except for again Denver. Uh, that's just kind of that one game a year you can throw out. But yeah, of course it can come back. It's still Mahomes. So with that, let's let's talk about a chance for it to come back when the Chiefs take on the old nemesis, the Buffalo Bills, this week. Uh, it is a Sunday afternoon game. The Bills aren't quite what they have been in previous seasons. I'm curious to get your thoughts on a quick preview of Chiefs versus Bills. Uh, I I mean, they're coming off a bye week. Uh, so I do think, you know, it's going to be an exciting game. In, in my opinion, I think the Bills defense is going to make that the case because uh, they have been shaky this year. And, and, and so I, you know, with injuries, you know, they've lost Matt Milano, linebacker, they've lost starting cornerback Tredavious White. You know, they've had injuries up front. 
Um, Von Miller's dealing with, I don't know where that's at, honestly. Uh, I should have checked on that. But Von Miller's dealing with, you know, the, the domestic violence uh, incident uh, that he was, uh, you know, a warrant was out for his arrest for. Um, so their defense is definitely spotty. And, and so I think the Chiefs offense has a chance to exploit that uh, both on the ground and in the, in the, in the, in the air. Um, the Bills run defense particularly has been has been pretty rough for the, for most of the year. But I will say the Bills offense is still the Bills offense. I think a lot of their, uh, you know, kind of demise or, or maybe people kind of forgetting about them in the AFC playoff picture because of their record. Right. They're so they're like a 10th seed right now is because the defense has been so bad and, and, and it's helped and it's helped them lose games. But their offense is still uh, on fire. Um, you know, it can be, I should say. Um, they still have a lot of weapons. You know, James Cook is a running back we haven't actually seen here uh, with the Chiefs as much, uh, you know, the last few times we played the Bills. But he has become a very dynamic playmaker. He's going to be testing the Chiefs linebackers who just had a rough game. He'll be testing them plenty. Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakur, the new slot receiver, has been playing well, has been making plays for him. Yeah, I, I think this could be kind of a shootout type of game uh, just because the Bills offense is the Bills offense. And they know this Chiefs defense, I will say, like, you know, I, I know Spags, you know, keeps it unpredictable and, and shakes it up. But, man, this Bill's defense has played against Spags quite a bit now and and or this Bill's offense. So I do think this this will be a high scoring game, one that, that the, the offense will have to rise up and and, and kind of overcome uh, and, and maybe win the game. So it will be a good opportunity, like you mentioned. Yeah, this might be an opportunity for Mahomes Magic too, just facing a rival. I mean, this is somebody that he's gone toe to toe with multiple times. Uh, somebody that that usually plays his best against the Chiefs, and 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 Mahomes uh, will be challenged to rise to that uh, uh, rise to that challenge. And <laughs> that's you know redundant, but I, I think I, I do think it'll be a good game. I think you can't overlook the Bills at this point. They're certainly no. beatable, uh, but it's a team that the Chiefs could also lose to. The the Packers were beatable, but they they were a Chiefs a team that the Chiefs could lose to as well. Uh, looking at other players on the Bills roster, for some reason, I feel like Gabe Davis always uh, seems to have the Chiefs number at least a couple times uh, per per game. I thought about starting him in one of my deeper fantasy leagues this week just because, like, you know, it seems like he always finds a way to get open uh, or, or catch a touchdown or two in, in critical moments against the Chiefs. So I'll be watching for him. Uh, I don't think I'm actually going to play him this week, but I, I think it's somebody that, that we can watch for uh, as, a, as a threat. Uh, in addition to that running game, uh, it does feel like their their defense is beatable, um, and, and it's uh, and you can get Josh Allen on turnovers, and so just like any game, you know, I, I could I could close my eyes and not even you don't even have to tell me who the opponent is, and you can say what's this game going to come down to, and it's, I'm going to say turnovers uh, and, and probably execution on the Chiefs side. Uh, my go-to when people ask me about a matchup for the Chiefs. It doesn't so much matter what the other team does. It matters how the Chiefs execute. If the Chiefs play to their ability, they'll win this game. If they don't play to their ability, this is certainly one uh, where they could lose. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's very fair, especially on offense, right? The Chiefs offense just seems like it's either they, you know, they're going to have a good game or they're going to have a bad game. It's not the defense is going to force them to have a bad game. Um, and so I, I think that's fair. I will say the biggest thing, you know, maybe for the Chiefs defense will be, you know, how they match up with the Buffalo receivers. You know, Legarius Sneed will probably be on Stephon Diggs, right? Because it's that one-on-one uh, cornerback receiver thing. But, you know, that leaves, uh, you know, Gabe Davis on the outside, Khalil Shakur in the slot. 
So that's going to be a big matchup for like a Joshua Williams or a Jalen Watson uh, on Gabe Davis because I doubt they leave McDuffie out on him too much, obviously, with the size mismatch. Yeah. McDuffie is a great matchup for uh, Khalil Shakur in the slot. So, yeah, I, I think your call on Davis might be a good one just in terms of Chiefs fans looking at Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams in a really important spot this week. Absolutely. Well, with that, we want to thank you again for sticking with us, for being here and taking some time out of your day, and for all the great questions this week. Um, again, nothing brings out the interesting conversation like a Chiefs loss. Hopefully, this is the last interesting conversation we have uh, until <laughs> until training camp. Uh, but I, we'll be right here with you, arrowheadpride.com. Uh, lots of good coverage and content there. Make sure you check out all the podcasts on the network. Like, rate, review. Send us questions via Twitter and, and via the, the Gmail inbox or however you want to send them. Uh, it's so much more fun when we can talk about what you want to talk about uh, rather than just listening to Ron and I ramble about what we want to talk about. So, again, for Ron Cobb Jr., Matt Stadner, thank you so much for being here. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.